Hello, and welcome to AMO Kenzoku, episode 35. We are a group of four bubblegum crisis boomer otaku who wanted an excuse to talk about anime, manga, and any related subjects we find interesting. The Kenzoku are... Yo, I'm Sam. Hey, hey, I'm Nick. Hey, all, I'm Mike. And I am your host for the night, Dylan. This episode is being recorded on 20 July of 2023, and we're going to the, I guess now it's a Wayback Machine, to the 2000 film Battle Royale, Hashin. But first, because we always have to do this, uh, a, a slight addition or, or something I'd say, with, back on otaku games, because I can never get my head out of, out of certain things. Uh, another one I want, another game I want to put out there that might be both the most Sega game and one of the most otaku games ever um, is Valkyria Chronicles. Mm. It is. Oh yeah, I mean that's one thousand percent an otaku game. I know. It just I I saw it and I was like I almost bought it again for like the fifth time, and um, I was just kind of like, oh man, this game is so cool. And I was like, it's such an otaku game. It's so Sega because it has like. The Sakura Wars style, like, yep. kind of, like, dating sim stuff, but it also has, like, really cool tactical battle, and it has, like, crazy cyborg, uh, not quite cyborg, not quite robot, uh, android women that become huge guns that destroy, uh, continents, wow. and... And yet it's a school thing with, like, it has, like, it is just, like, checks every single check mark that you could possibly have off and it's uh it's a really fun game i i my only thing with it i would say is i feel like in the end it starts to go a little long um but you know it's it's great wasn't there like a, a sequel or a remake recently there's been like nick may know better i think there's like originally there was like three of them but they like jump systems what what was it originally was it originally a dreamcast or so ps3 era i don't know if i think it might have just been ps3 yeah it was was sony exclusive so ps3 only and then two and three were psp exclusives which is why in my opinion the uh yeah, that's, that's and, and truthfully, it also oh. kind of tanked the story, in my opinion. I don't know. I really did not like where the plot went after uh, three, and then they remastered one for PS4 in not super long ago because I was already down yeah. here in SoCal, so probably like maybe six ish years ago, and then. They made a, I think it's called a Valkyria Resurrection or some. They tried to reboot it, but turned it into like an action RPG instead of like a strategy, like, you know, I guess it was like a strategy game primarily. And then with, with like real time movement in it, but it was still kind yeah. of pseudo turn based. Uh, really brilliant system, honestly. Um, kind of took yeah. a lot of, I feel like it takes, it has a lot of mechanisms that you see in current day like tabletop games as far as like orders. And things like that was it was really revolutionary, um, really brilliant game, uh, amazing art, great story, you know, tried and true. Like I feel like that was one of the last tried and true Sega original Sega franchises. That and like Yakuza are probably the last two I would say. Like I look at them and I'm like, yeah, that's definitely Sega. Outside like Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Because he's um, he's immortal. But um, <laughs> I feel like when you think about like iconic Sega franchises. Um, that was kind of one of the last original ones that, you know, still felt like old Sega to me. And, you know, I don't know if they'll make any more, truthfully. I was, I think I, my confusion is, I think I was confusing this with Valkyrie Profile. Right. Another yeah. amazing game. But did they come up with a sequel of that one recently? Is that what? Yes. yes. That was the yeah. one that just came out and got horrendous reviews. Yeah. And, okay, all, that's, yeah, that's and honestly, it looked terrible too. So, yeah um yeah it'd be it would be wonderful if like everyone like oh what's a great sega game and everyone was like valkyria chronicles but like you know that like it's only very few people are gonna be like valkyria chronicles that's peak sega uh anyways that one came to my mind as a another great otaku game and then uh, as another kind of a side question and we can defer this for later but i have a question is genshin impact an otaku game one billion percent it's no yeah, game. Sure. 
that's that's well, to me that's not even remotely in question well yeah. i guess the question i have there is like because it's you know it's chinese development that is taken japanese aesthetics and put them into that's commonplace in, get, in this era honestly a lot of chinese developed things have a very japanese centric aesthetic oh yeah yeah no it's 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 a huge it's a crazy thing where you look at stuff you're like oh this looks like a really cool like you know oh maybe this is a really cool like japanese game then you look at it you're like oh this is some some crazy shop that i've never heard of out of china that's made 800 million games already yeah but um, i mean Gensh- genshin's made like infinity dollars so oh yeah, yeah. quite successful i i guess kind of my my question we could for on there is like is it like because it's a Chinese product, but it's made with these other things, can it still be an otaku game, or is it something else? Definitely. Most people don't even know that it's made by a Chinese company. I think technically Hong Kong, but these days, Mihoyo, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure I'm where for... they're based out of, but I forget if they're. Sh- I think I think they might be Shanghai, but I could be wrong there. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but I have a less geographically restricted definition of otaku game than I do of anime, so I'm totally comfortable with an otaku game being from anywhere, really. Yep, I think Mike and I are aligned there. It looks like anime, so therefore, it's otaku game. Like, again, if people can't tell if it's from Japan or not, then I think it passes, even if there is a geographic restriction. Okay. Um, So if if it looks like a Naruto and it smells like a Naruto, then it's a Naruto. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, all right. Um, so now on to the main topic of a thing, which is a very uh, Japanese thing, the 2000 film Battle Royale. I will give a very brief uh, kind of history and, and summary, and anyone who can free it, feel free to uh, add here. So originally there was a novel from 1999, um, and it was very quickly uh, adapted into uh, manga and the and the film. Um, from, from what, it might be worth mentioning. I don't know if you plan to go into this later, but one of the things I saw on the Wikipedia was that the guy actually submitted the novel in like '96, and then the publisher like sat on it for for three years because. At the time that he submitted it, there was that uh, stabbing incident with the young girl. Uh, so oh, that, that does deal. ring a bell. Yeah, that does ring a bell. Yeah, there, there's there been a lot of release controversies and things with this. Um, I I have not read the the novel ever, so I can't really give anything. But I, I was kind of, it's very surprising to me that it was so quickly adapted into uh, a film and having not read the novel i can't really say how different it is from the film um but i'm familiar with the film back and i didn't i didn't realize that uh obviously there was a lot of controversy when it was released but i didn't realize that it didn't even get a u.s an actual like u.s release for well over a decade it wasn't until like I think it was like 2012 that Anchor Bay was finally basically allowed to license it for release in the U.S. at all. Um, it had had a few uh, kind of film, you know, special special releases of of yeah, things in the U.S. Type things. Yeah, yeah, like film festivals, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and there were vaguely targeted at the U.S. audience backdoor ways to get it. Like my DVD of it is from way earlier than that and is a uk disc and it's i think region locked to region two or it might just say that i haven't actually investigated in a while uk but is it's region ntsc two. about to so say it's, it's ntsc yes it is a uk ntsc copy of battle royale that was very definitely made for export <laughs> that's interesting weird um so some of those things were because i think that I think we, or at least I felt like we had the film, we had this back in, I don't know, 2001 or two or something like that, like very, yeah. very early on. And it felt like, oh yeah, of course, of course, everyone has this movie. Like who, who hasn't seen this movie and has it? And apparently yeah. once again, we were the weirdos. 
like I'm trying to figure out. I have this recollection that I saw it at my first Fanime, which was Fanime 2001, but that would have been like four-ish months after it was initially released in theaters in Japan, so that feels like maybe that timeline is... I'm misremembering, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember how I saw it, because I definitely saw time... it during that time period. Yeah, I definitely saw it as a midnight movie at fa- one of, at Fanime in Santa Clara. I just can't remember for sure if it was 01 or 02. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think the first time I saw it may have been an uh, illicit copy that was brought into club. I think that may have been the first well, time I saw this. Well, maybe that's it. Wherever you saw it, I probably saw it. Yeah, I, I would assume we saw it at the same time. So Yeah. So it might have been another, uh, you know, import recommendation from our uh, our uh, our Lord and Savior, our 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 Otaku Father. Well, I'm pretty sure we had subs, and and I'm also pretty sure we didn't live sub that one. Yeah. No, I don't think any of us had the R2 for. It. I want to say it may have been one of those um, import copies, like 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 that Mike has yeah. that are you know yeah, that wasn't that US region, release, but. Um, it basically had like you know eight different language tracks on it or something. So, the English being the the subtitle track, I should say. So, uh, that might have been. Um, so, continuing with some, of this, so there's like all sorts of weird stuff where we didn't. I didn't realize it didn't come out of the U.S. to that later. Um, but in spite of that, there's uh, it did very well in the theaters. It was like the third highest grossing movie in uh, in 2001 with the other two being spirited away and Pokemon forever. This is in Japan, <laughs> um, which, you know, frankly, that's pretty good. Cause spirited away was, is, I don't know. It's probably still like in the top five grossing films in Japan ever. Um, and you know, a, a big Pokemon movie makes some, makes some big, makes some big money. Um, but it's, it is crazy too, that it, it did that well considering that it has this R15 rating, which is, like, very rarely given out in Japan, which is literally, like, no one under 15 is allowed to to watch it. Um, I mean, that was the big appeal of it, though, right? Like, this was that banned book-slash-movie that everybody needed to watch because it was, you know, it's so not Japanese in its philosophy, right? Like, you know, it's got such a big anti, like government agenda and then you also have this like hyper oppressive like government mandate like all these things that were you know that were being projected at the time i feel like by by the youth and you know it's funny how real real life turned out after this because it was quite the opposite but you know just the fact that like the whole idea that you know oh the youth are 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 rotting away this this once great nation so we're gonna do, do this awful thing and like so i think that was kind of the the appeal of it was like this was the one that you weren't supposed to go see which is what you know same the psychological effect right if people are telling you not to go then you're gonna go so <laughs> yeah well it, it could be that but i think it's also combined with that my opinion and in uh, generally with reviews is watching again for the first time in quite a long time like it's still a great freaking movie absolutely Oh, yeah. And if it were not a good movie, you could have had this thing and it could have been super, you know, like niche thing that people would have like, oh, you, you, if you're in the, if you're in the industry, you watch it. But I, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's still a fabulous movie. Some of the, um, I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place here. I think one of the things for me when in watching it now and, um, not really thinking, just thinking literally about like the actual film and what it looks like, I think it is really benefited by having almost no CG. It's base. It's almost completely practical effects. The only CG was yeah. like the the fake computers they were using, basically in uh, the background. To some I mean, extent. but even even it those were all, computers. <laughs> there was some stuff that was not not CG, but like there were definitely compositing and stuff going on with some of the effects didn't look too great but yeah there, there was I, a I few there was a that, few but... blood explosions that, that you kind of saw for the um, most part though it was with the ex- with with the, at least the visual elements it was all very practical um i think sam you'd agree there was a there's a few audio engineering parts that were comically kind of incongruous 
with the, with what was actually happening in the scene. I think you know we, I remember the one distinct scene where uh, where Noriko got sick and so she got taken to that hospital or not the the abandoned sh- shack where you know mm-hmm. the the I can't remember his Kawada. name Kawada yeah the antihero you know treated her and he's tying this bandage on her and it's like you hear these like really aggressive like lacing oh, yeah. up noises and it's like <laughs> that's not what that would sound like but you know what. Yeah. I'll, I'll, and then also, like, any time he cocks a shotgun, like, it sounds like a video game. Like, it's so over, you know, exaggerated. But aside from yeah. those, like, I just love how, not just the effects, but also the action, right? Like, none of it is super well choreographed. It's all very, like, visceral and realist, like, real how people are moving and writhing around. Like, it had a very, like, a realistic element to it in that sense. You know, it's not like a John Wick where it's, like, hyper well choreographed. And, yeah, that, sure, that looks wonderful. But this is, like, people, you know, being told, you're you're being shot in the back as you run away. So, you know, like, that's their, that's their cue they're given. And, and I think everybody really did did well as far as I feel the, like, cast, the cast goes. I feel like it was kind of a mix of, like, some of it was a bit hammy and some of it was, like, did a good job of not overselling it. Um I mean, I, I give it maybe, I don't know, 30, 70, hammy to not hammy. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. But, you know, there are a lot of unknown actors, right? So I, I don't expect well, them at, to... Well, at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, at the time, of course. Um, but, to them. but maybe before we continue, for the those who may not be in the know, maybe does somebody want to give a synopsis? <laughs> <laughs> for maybe like a three minutes synopsis, maybe like one minute synopsis for what Battle Royale is. Oh, sure. So it's uh, the Japanese government has uh, decided that teenagers are the problem for everything. So they randomly or not randomly pick a class every year and send them off to an island and making kill each other for over a three day period. And there can be only one winner. And. Uh, so then, if you've seen any of the myriad things that have been heavily influenced by this afterwards, uh, you know, like Hunger Games or any of the entire genre of games called Battle Royale games, Indeed. of which there's they have made billions and billions and billions of dollars, and they name quite literally comes from this, like, film and, like, novel, which is pretty crazy. Um then we'll say that the Hunger Games you, is that the author is pretty adamant that she had no idea what it was until after she submitted her manuscript. I'll, I'll mean, give her that. I, I yeah. mean, yeah, that's like, like I'm not going to try to argue because of which you know if they, she copied or not. But anybody who says that, oh, it frustrates me to say, oh, Battle Royale is like that. It's like the Japanese Hunger Games. It's like no, no, no. Hunger Games is the American Battle Royale. Yeah, have it yeah. the other way around. Okay, right. Battle Royale did it quite a few years before so yeah um yeah and it's always hard to say like what is actually a um influence directly and what's an idea that's kind of like floating around in the in the world but you know hunger games the first novel was 2008 so it could have been that um suzanne collins the author it could have been that she never actually watched the movie but it could have been that something was you know the influence of that was floating around the ether and got something into her, mm-hmm. you know, got something into her head. And that's a fair statement to say that she was unaware or wasn't trying to copy it. Um, but it's also fair to say, yeah, you know, it could have been some ideas or something that spawned out of this that then, you know, she picked and took and, and took into her own direction. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my summary of that. Um, well done. Did you so, guys, I, I, in 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 part of the the beginning of the movie, I don't know. I was just thinking of this, but the they had the web address on screen. Br. Yeah. Dot... Yeah. I tried to go. <laughs> yeah. And I was I was sad. <laughs> and then I tried. And then I tried to buy. Then I tried to buy the domain, and that wasn't available for sale either. And that also made me sad. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that it's. Um, I'm almost surprised that it's just a squatted address that no one is doing anything with. But you know, some people get those and they just sit on them forever. I'm surprised they didn't hold on to it. A two-letter domain. It's like it's gold. Oof. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, these days. Yeah, for sure. So uh, on, on the thing here, which I which was 
I think it's very intentional by the director and everything, but that man, the talk about talk about blaming the victim here. So the whole film is just victim blaming on teenagers. Uh, I feel well, like I, uh, at, at a surface level, yes, but like very quickly, not. I think. Well, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of really fun and cool stuff in it, but just kind of thinking on the premise that is that um, you know the Japanese government has you know unemployment's out of control, and so people are angry, and then you know students aren't doing well. So what's the answer? Is we're going to pick a classroom of students every year and have them murder each other you know that's that's some real victim blaming like who who's who's at fault for the unemployment being out of control yeah it's certainly the teenagers it's their fault so they're acting out because there's nothing uh i mean that's yeah, kind of what they're showing though right with um i can't remember his character's name but um, kitano's um or takeshi's is that, is that yeah, his name's kitano yeah they named his yeah. character after his last name yeah okay <laughs> so yeah he's, so, he's literally keep his it last simple name. So Kitano's character, right? Like that's as you go through the movie, right? You learn of like kind of what a mess his life is and how kind of a failure he is. Like, and so like it's not the movie starts out. I feel like in that way of like a the the kids are the problem, so this is the government solution. But as they go through the movie, tells you the message like it's not really these kids' fault, right? Like it's the adults' fault that they're in this situation. Well, that, that that's maybe I wasn't saying like that's entirely what I'm saying that like victim blaming, which is the the teenagers are the victim of all of this stuff, and that the adults have decided to blame them rather than accepting responsibility for their screwing up. Oh, you society. mean in the fiction of the movie, not in the like the message of the movie? Yes, correct. Got it. Yes, within the world of within the world of the movie, it's like sure, man, yeah. that's that's rough. Um, oh, it's, it's just, funny it's... because I mean, so you know, my both my parents are, are immigrants to America from Japan, and they are of the you know the boomer generation, and it's so comical to me that all of the myriad issues that Japan faces as a nation, they are doing exactly that, blaming you know young people, aka you know mm-hmm. uh, yep. the millennials and younger, that it's their fault. That Japan is where I'm like, not maybe not the century plus of you know systemic basically like dysfunction that basically put the country in the fast track to you know uh, extinction because I mean they're one of the most hyper xenophobic nations and they're also the oldest nation in the industrialized nation I should say they might just be the oldest nation period in the world. I mean, I believe the stat right now is like one out of four people in Japan are over the age of 60. Like that's fast track to collapse of everything because their social security system won't be able to handle that. But anyway, I'm not trying to get into like political (laughs) geopolitical stuff, but it's funny because that's kind of what still the perception, right? Is, Oh, it's the young people's fault, but who's running that country? All the politicians there are ancient, ancient, just, you know, not just like other other industrialized countries that have myriad political issues like all the people running it are very out of touch so the it's funny that you know this movie was kind of already kind of glossing over that i should not even glossing like basically pointing at that out at in 2000 23 years ago so i mean you'd already had the lost decade by 2000 so i can see where Absolutely. some of that would have been floating around and uh in just in uh, in reading the wiki the uh director is pretty uh interesting there this this really was his last film that he was able to actually complete um but he was 15 during world war 2 and was working in a munitions factory holy um, crap yeah and it got uh i forget i forget what city it was in it might have been somewhere in tokyo or something but basically like it got like hit by naval bombardment from the from the US and like all of the teen workers there were like basically couldn't get out so they were trapped and then they ended up having to pretty much like drag the bodies of their friends and stuff like out of the place and try to deal with it um so that sort of thing could you know possibly have a, a an effect on you and your feelings about uh adults running society and how maybe they're not doing the greatest job 
One of um, the things you know, he was saying is he was lied to, right? So he yeah. carried this deep distrust for adults all the way into his life. Yeah, up, up, literally up until like his last film. Um, and uh, I, I still, I'll just kind of continue to jump all over the place here with this because I still have not seen the follow-up movie. Um, yeah, I have not I either. either. I've heard it was not. I, I heard a lot of my, but what I've heard was it kind of uh, leaned into the ultra-violence instead of into the, you know, like, overarching, I guess, like, mythos of it. So it, 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 if people feel like it missed the point of the first movie, like, yes, the first movie was violent, but it wasn't violence for the sake of violence. It was, you know, um, uh, kids being put into an impossible situation and having to make choices that oftentimes involved violence. Where the second movie, my, from my to my understanding, was just it was just, just turned dialed everything up to the to ten as far as the the ultra violence goes. I think it was trying to like appeal more to an international audience at that point because at that point Battle Royale had become this huge cult hit, right? So mm-hmm. I yeah. that's why I never really saw found a huge kind of appeal to watch it. So yeah, same. I was kind of like, what's the point? Like, it, there's nothing really more. To, to say after the first movie like yeah you besides really just, just make it besides just reliving the situation with a different cast each time right like it's just right. repeat itself which i mean you can you can do that but i feel like it's it loses its purpose after that so this is you know the, the, this this was this classroom story and you know and obviously there are central characters with uh with noriko and shuya and kawada to an extent but i will say one thing that i would watch was would not be a sequel movie, but I would watch like a, a mini series, like a short a, a TV show that was like like, capped like afterwards, like, or no, just like if you want to go do another battle royale thing, like literally this this universe, I would sit through a season that basically took more time with all of the people, and then you know you have the drama of finding out who's going to die when oh, and everything like that, or, right? Or you, you know what? Now that we're we're spitballing, you know, fictitious ideas, like how about <laughs> And have a mini series where it's a different class, but it's the series is the lead up to them getting sent to the games, and then you can you can let your imagination do the rest, maybe or something like well, that, or or it's maybe do the previous guys. Since I've read it, but my recollection, and I'm not sure if I finished it, but my recollection is the manga expands considerably on like character backstory and elements and things. I, yeah. I mean, that being said, they did a pretty good job of expanding on a lot of the class. Honestly, yeah, like they really a lot did. of people. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll hijack here, but you know, there were definitely certain characters that were standouts um whether intentionally or not. But like I think one of the probably the the biggest example is um uh chigusa right the 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 track girl the one that was yeah you know because mm-hmm. she kind of gave off this aura of being like like a not like a mean girl but like a driven girl but she clearly you know knew how to stand up for herself and that showed and you know she, um, you know she met her untimely end but you know she she the actress uh chiaki kuriyama actually you know i don't i'm I, I back back then in the 2000s i was very well known but i mean she ended up getting cast in kill bill right like as gogo mm-hmm. and that was unheard of of a Japanese young Japanese actor being cast in a you know a huge budget. Well, I don't know about huge budget, but you know triple A Hollywood yeah, film, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's, and, it's Tarantino. Yeah, it was, so. yeah, and it was literally Tarantino. Literally just cast, just like just do the same thing you did in Battle Royale. Because and he's also said I, and a couple of things in there saying that basically it's like Battle Royale is the coolest movie been made in the last twenty years. Um, you know, it's like one of those things like, ah, I wish I had made that movie. Yeah, um, like, I, I mean, I, I'm convinced that he saw her performance and was like, this, I need this girl in, some, in this project because she's got that, you yeah. know, something about her, right? Where she's not, she, she's not necessarily coming off as this, like, super, you know, psychotic killer like Mitsuko, who I believe has the longest kill streak in the, in the movie. I, I lost count, I think, at four. But... <laughs> <laughs> she, the, the the mean girl the, the, that you know everybody hates um but yeah no i i think she did uh i think um uh chiaki kuriyama was did a fantastic job like for that character and then this is actually could this just could be my early onset alzheimer's but 
the version I watched, which was the free stream on Roku, I believe must have been the extended cut because there were definitely scenes in it that I don't remember seeing in whatever yeah, I watched 20-some-odd years ago. It was. It had a special edition on the title card. Okay, because I, I specifically the the flashback that... going So going to Mitsuko, who's kind of the, the mean girl, right, that ends up killing a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. There was like that flashback of her coming home as a little girl to her drunk mom and basically just about to be assaulted by you know this creepy dude who was undressing like a barbie doll that that, that scene was super unsettling I, I get why it was not put in the original cut but um that definitely gave like a much more depth to her character she wasn't just being a you know a vindictive mean girl for the sake of it she clearly had a huge amount of baggage that she was unleashing in, in Battle Royale, so I thought that the the scene added a lot of uh, insight to the character. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's interesting. On the uh, the extra stuff, at least you know, according to according to the Wikipedia, which we'll we'll take as as truthfulish enough, um, was that the the special edition stuff was filmed like after the initial release of the film and cut in there, like. I don't know if I've ever actually seen the non like special edition um cuz I guess like all the stuff with the basketball game was like not at all like in Definitely the original not. film release. I don't remember any of that either. Yeah. So I, I don't, don't think I I don't think I've ever either. seen the special edition because the, all the basketball scenes and the, yeah the the flashback with um with the creeper like none of that like uh, those were shocking hmm. scenes to me. I was like, "Whoa!" And the basketball scene was really—it it showed like, like you know, I had clips of everybody like being like a functional class. It really kind of put it all together. It's like, and now they're all dead, basically, except for two. They're all dead. Of <laughs> like, the three the of those, I, that. I really only liked that basketball one. The the rest of them seemed like there was the weird dream with the basketball bouncing backwards to. uh Oh yeah, was that with uh, no kid? Yeah, no, yeah, Nobu, the kid like... who stabbed Kitano was in the ass originally. Yeah, and and I was like, eh, this this one's maybe okay, but then the other two I felt like, while useful in, um, establishing the characters a little bit more, I felt like they were. Well, I don't know. Maybe Mitsuko's is the one that I really just it felt like it was a little too direct and like, hey guys, we're just going to show you exactly why she's bad the basketball one was nice because it kind of showed everybody like what they were like outside in a, in, in their natural habitat kind of thing but kind of, but in the basketball one like the blue people were cheering when the red folks scored i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i definitely wasn't paying that close attention but it was just kind of like watching them scream and Everybody, all the, and like, oh, that guy was on the basketball team. That's why, like, these guys are all so close because these guys are all on the basketball team together, right? Like, oh, that's probably why this guy was popular because he was on the basketball team, right? That's why all these girls liked him. Like, that was kind of, to me, that was kind of a, a better storytelling than the other ones, in my opinion. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair point. Yeah, and like the requiems afterward. I was kind of like, eh, those didn't really add anything. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's, apparently there was some additional shots. There's a couple other things that were kind of extended a little bit extra, but... Um, the thing on the, the Requiems, right, The one of them did have something extra. The rest of them were just repeated, right, from what was in the thing, except for the Kitano and uh, what's-her-name? Yeah, 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 the dialogue. The dialogue. Which I feel like that was more important um, than seeing the other ones. I agree. I think that one was the most kind of like interesting of the requiems. But yeah. that could also just be because I'm a massive beat Takashi like fan. Yeah. Board, so yeah, he's the best character. I'm, he's the best actor <laughs> and best I performance. Oh and yeah, he was he was the one triple A list Japanese star in that movie, right? I mean, by 2000, he was already massive. I oh, mean, yeah, he was, for sure. He was big in the 80s and 90s, right? So he was already, also, like, a huge name. So He was great casting kind of along the lines of Richard Dawson in The Running Man. Like, if you need an asshole game show host, 
Hire an asshole game show host. <laughs> and one thing I really want to know is, you know, the at the very one of the last scenes, right, where it's wrapped up and he's there with uh, with Kawano, Noriko, and, and uh, Shuya, and you know he he's pointing pointing the gun, the, what they think is a gun, and then Shuya, def- you know, makes the decision to defend Noriko and and, and kills him, and then the phone rings, and you just see him pop up. <laughs> And have and it's such a yeah that's such a cool scene. I really wonder if that was originally in the book or not because that totally seems like something that that like Beat Takashi could say like you know I think this would be a really great way to like kind of prolong the scene and add add like so you know this this neat element to it because it seems like such a like him thing to do yeah where and then you know he's just very nonchalantly walking over, you know, basically cusses out his daughter and then just kind of like, you know, keels over. <laughs> and that's yeah. it. Like, After a very he eats it uns- on a cookie. <laughs> right. Very unceremonious end. But yeah, I mean, phenomenal actor. I mean, he's, he, there's a reason why he's made it to certain Hollywood films because I mean, mostly in like, like mob films, but still he's, he's a phenomenal actor. That, that particular scene is like one of my favorite scenes in all of, movies it, I, it stuck with one, me so 100 percent agree as i was excited when that scene came up because it's it's <laughs> it lives rent free in my brain probably yep. now and forever um, yeah yeah another another one that uh i remember from watching originally that is just so much the film is so great but the um the video segment where they introduce and the there's the super genki girl there oh, yep yeah. mm-hmm. um and that's uh unless Miyam- unless i'm Miyamura wrong it's, it's yeah, yep, yeah, y- Yuko Miramuro, who is Asuka, amongst uh, yeah, I, I, um, what other hundred thousand roles? Yeah, I mean that was at her peak, right? Like two thousand. I mean, Eva, Eva, end of Eva had finished, and like she was probably. I mean, now she's still recast as Asuka, right? Twenty something years later. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she's she's Ono's wife, right? I believe she's Ono's wife. No, Moyuko, Moyuko Ono. Oh. Hmm. I thought for some reason I, th- I for some reason I thought she and Ando had a relationship for all. I could be wrong, but I have. Um, I mean, it's been twenty plus years, so it's big, it's plausible. But yeah, I mean, she's been um, in all sorts of things. But yeah, it was well, hilarious that they chose her specifically to, and her performance was like like Chef's Kiss. That was one. Of, that's one of the other probably most iconic scenes for me is that little intro video. <laughs> It's yeah, it's so great, and she sells it like so good, and he gives like oh, gives, like all the cryy face and everything, and just it's so ludicrously yeah. over the top yet sincere in the ludicrousness. Like it's very different, but like um, uh, well, kind of like Tano uh, plays uh, it like very much like the, the oh yeah the substitute teacher show in a movie, right? Like yeah, oh yeah. yay, <laughs> patch 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 patch, like yeah, and that, while like having murdered. Two students, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and the teacher, and oh yeah, right, the teacher. I don't, I don't know if he did the teacher. Maybe, maybe he did, but that that's never really fully uh, explained. But and he's like, oh, it's against the rules for me to kill, right? Oops, my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, eh. <laughs> no penalty, huh? Um, one of the other, uh, you know, speaking of Eva things, um. Am I am I only person that got like crazed on the words feeling like it was like totally done like Eva style with like the exact same font that they have in like Well not even the exact same font. They even used air as one of like the main like themes, which is the right. I- oh, I- yes. iconic song in Eva, right? I mean it's a I it's a it's a phenomenal violin yeah. piece, but I mean it's heavily mm-hmm. associated with Eva. But yeah, I forgot they used it in Battle Royale too. Yeah, there's so much stuff, and then, you know, it's like, tell me if you heard this, where, like, adults control the world and then make teenagers sacrifice themselves (laughs) and pay to try to fix the thing, and then who's the final enemy? It's humans, and what do they do? They're trying to hack into the system and take it over, and, uh, you know, it goes into my everything is Eva theory of of the world, but, you know. Speaking of hacking... Can you guys? <laughs> that that was kind of BS. Like uh, I'll be honest. The yeah, I, I liked the 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 hacking at all was fine. Okay, they hacked the thing. Then Kitana like just is like guys, just turn it off. Like which, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty great. great. He's just like <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna turn this thing off. Come on. But then at well, the end, they kind of like switch through. It's like oh, it's actually this other guy. I was like wait, what? 
Yeah, there's nothing that, to indicate that at all. <laughs> that's the one MacGuffin I was kind of like, ugh. Like, everything else was done, executed well, but the whole, like, you know, pulls it out of thin air, like, oh, I he knew how to disable the callers, but there was no indication whatsoever that that was the case. And, yeah, I, know, that, that that's probably my one major gripe with the movie. I guess, as the ringer, he had some idea he was coming back, so had time to prepare, maybe? I don't know. I think if they had just said, like, hey, from the last time, I, I've had enough experience and time to, like, understand these things and then like i i could have i could have bought that but like they're like oh no he was actually the one that did the hacking was really stupid because it's like there was like the whole basketball iconography and like (laughs) i don't know well he didn't do that hacking he did the hacking for disabling the callers before the game was the impression i had gotten well i thought they were saying like he was the one who did the the hacking like no that was the the team clearly (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the part that I don't buy, right? Like, because that's that that it was clearly that team, but it, we're talking about it as if he wasn't. So I don't know. Maybe I have to go back and look again. But either way, it, it was kind of BS uh, out of nowhere. Yeah, it did kind of come out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, well, actually, before I got here, I hacked. <laughs> At least Although, I assumed it was before I got here. Maybe I'm the one misremembering. Although I will say that um, as much as I despise the character, the dude that played Kiriyama was, like, very good at the role. And he he never spoke a single line the whole movie. Wait, just... was that him? Or I, I was thinking that, too, but who was the one at the beginning who's like, oh, no, that's that's my bag? Which one was that? D- that, that, was was that was Kawada. Kawada. Oh, okay. He was, was Kawada. He was okay. the one, yeah. So he, he, that's what I was trying to figure, too, like... On. Like, also, like, how did he know, like, that that wasn't the bag that he wanted? Was it on weight? Did he open, did it, whilst in the hallway there, getting shuffled out by the it could have military, just been, did he it open just it and run back in? It could have just been instinct, where he's like, no, this bag I got's too light, so I want I want one that looks heavier. I mean, it could be any number of things that, yeah. for, for that. I think that's just to help establish that, like, you know, he's, he kind of can bend the rules, because he's, you know, one of the transfer students, air quotes. Where he kind of like knows how soft the rules are, like right. Like he the knows rules that, really, the, yeah. Exactly. There are good stuff and bad things, so he's like, "No, I want a good one." I'll yeah, I mean, had, I mean, he ended up with a freaking pump action shotgun, which is yeah. probably as good as you could do given the weapon. I guess we could talk about the weaponry. Right? What kind of weaponry do we see? So, a handful of small firearms. A few. I, I want to say at least a few pistols, right? I mean, probably yeah. four, yeah. four yeah. or five but, semi-automatic yeah, pistols. Yeah. Probably, I think at least two, like full automatic. Like obviously, the Uzi goes to Kiriyama because, well, he he technically killed to get it, but mm-hmm. um, he like that's like his, his yeah he that's his like baby the whole movie. And then like the group of girls in the lighthouse had a, quite a few guns with them actually. Yeah, uh, that scene. Oh gosh, that scene just ooh, just talk about feels bad, man. Yeah, but uh, and then. The more interesting ones, I think, were the ones that were not guns. Like yeah, like crossbow, or like poison, poison. was like a crazy poison. one. Yeah, like, I don't like. How are you supposed to use it? Well, yep, she did. <laughs> yeah, very badly, <laughs> right? Potassium like, cyanide. Yeah, that that does kill about that quickly. So yeah, the scythe turned out to be quite effective. Yeah, although honestly, not too practical in my opinion. Like yeah. unless you're ambushing people, which yeah, it could work. But I feel like any other bladed weapon would be just about as better. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. knives did seem generally more useful without the ambush factor. Exactly. But uh oh the the stun gun, eh, you kinda have to get pretty close to use it, so you know. Not so the sure non non violent ones too are also like plot wise really super interesting. Like the uh obviously they didn't really they, they used the pot lid once, um but the the tracker was the actually GPS. really cool. Yeah, so yeah. 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 He kind of had his own mini story and talk about a sad ending. Like I felt yeah. extra bad for him at the end. Like he's spends literally the entire goddamn movie finding his crush to let her know to run, and she just unloads on him. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, no, you idiot! He's trying to help you. And then of course, you know, um, it, it, it's ruined by all the mean people at the end. But yeah. Um, I will say one of my fa- uh I know Sam you and I talked about that uh the scene with um Bitakashi Tham. one of my other favorite scenes in this movie and not just this movie but just in all movies is 
that kind of the final showdown that um that the Kawada and Kiriyama have after the big explosion and Kiriyama's kind of blinded. Uh-huh. Like that's kind of one of my biggest just like head to head showdowns like you know with firearms in a movie because it's not like it's gritty, it's not over fantasized or over dramatized. Like, you know, they they kind of pull a few moves here or there, but really it just comes down to like, you know, some like a a person with very bad intentions and who is clearly just bad for everybody all all parties having to be you know taken out by somebody you know this with the power to do it and i don't know i just mm-hmm. uh, something about that 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 specific fight even though it's only probably what 10 seconds it's not very long right it's pretty yeah. realistically long honestly like they're yeah it's two people pointing i mean an uzi and a shotgun at each other like that fight is not going to last very long so yeah i don't know well, something about that got a body armor right Oh yeah, right. That's true. But he is also blind, so it's like yeah, you know, yeah. It's uh, I feel like trade it's trade off. But yeah, I don't that know. Just cool. yeah, just and I think I harken back to just the whole practical nature of that of the movie. Um, again, just you know, they. I feel like that probably wasn't. I mean, I could be wrong. It could have been several cuts, but I feel like they a lot of these scenes were done in you know very few cuts because obviously having to redress up in costume and get all the squibs all you know <laughs> put back on is probably a little bit mm-hmm. cost cost prohibitive. So, yeah, Kiriyama's story was his 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 uh, I don't want to say like character arc because he doesn't really have one, but like the way he's like this looming boss character as he like slowly gets more and more powerful as he collects everybody's items, and you can kind of each encounter you see him use more of those weapons. I would mm. say he's probably the only truly evil and completely irredeemable character in this, right? Yeah. Like he has no development as a character. Right. He's he's a terrible person at the beginning and he's a terrible person when he's dead. And he Which is perfect has, for him. Yeah. And he had the biggest body count, I'm pretty sure, by quite a yeah. lot. I think he probably killed double digit numbers. So it's just it's cool how because I mean, I'm no film analyst, right? But like you don't feel like he needs an arc. Like it's enough to have a, this guy who's just pure evil, who's just kind of this chaos element hmm. running through the whole exactly. thing. And that I do agree because one thing I do like about Battle Royale, and again, I don't want to make the comparison; it's not fair. But like compared to like you know um, Hunger Games, is that there are definitely in Battle Royale there were people who made hardline decisions to try to come up with a a peaceful solution right i mean so some for some mm-hmm. of them it didn't end up working but like for example the, the the hacker guys right like they were trying to they literally were trying to save everybody i mean yeah. um uh the, the the hacker guy mimura right that that's the yeah. guy the, mm-hmm. that actor phenomenal man that guy was he was so good <laughs> but just this whole you know and how like they were literally like we're gonna build a bomb like a car bomb and blow up <laughs> <laughs> the entire school i'm like yeah that's one way that could work and of course they got you know within you know moments of getting it done and then of course kiriyama shows up and and, and screws it all up for everybody but yeah um or like the three you know or the four girls in the lighthouse were like you know they were they obviously they ended up you know breaking and, and killing each other but their their initial plan seemed to be pretty peaceful or at least not aggressive yeah and then the two the poor two poor girls with the loudspeaker who were horrifically murdered by kiriyama because they were a little bit naive (laughs) yeah in trying to get the game to stop that way right yeah those 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 pockets of um humanity right yeah like the like it's it's the some of these kids are still refusing to like give into this awful situation i mean you know, some walk try to walk the line where they're like, "Yeah, I'll only play the game if I have to, but otherwise, just leave me alone." And I feel like there was plenty of character characters like that. Some just snapped right away. Like the, I don't remember his name, but the kid who wanted to go to med school or whatever, who was just like, "Oh yeah, like I won't let you stand in my way." And like you know, and then Kawada blows <laughs> he was a, hole a bit. At him, but... He was one of the hammy ones too, with his like, "Why X times." To yeah, why like, <laughs> okay, why over MX plus B or whatever? So. Yeah, some of that's the difference between the battle royale scenario and the Hunger Games scenario too, because Hunger Games you'll know at most one other person in the game. Mm. 
and mm-hmm. you've had more time to prepare for it. Whereas Battle Royale, you just think you're going on your class trip, and then suddenly you wake up here and you're still with your entire class, and it's different groups and cliques and all sorts of prior relationships, which is what makes it interesting. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, you can see, like, you look around, like, at that age, right? If you see this movie, you look around and be like, what would this be like if this happened to me? Right? Like, all of these relationships make it much more interesting because they're like, oh, these people all have a, you know, you got the the love triangles, the crushes, the people you hate, like, you know, it's all, that stuff makes it much more complex. You know, I never thought of it that way where like projecting like myself, my high school self into that, man, I would have been so screwed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I think that's, again, that's one of the things that makes it, stand out amongst the field of things it is inspired out of it because you can you can take and we can look at it now like 20 years on from this and you know let's call the beginning of the huge battle realification with the hunger games call that roughly 2010 that's about um, right mm-hmm. and you know it's just gone crazy since then with the PUBG and Fortnite and all these all these other things that are everyone literally just lives on Fortnite. I've never forded the knights but apparently it's very popular um but uh it's one of those things where i I think that thinking just watching this movie in the current scope of all of the things that it's influenced but just looking at it on its own i still think it stands out i think part of it yeah is because Mm -hmm. of that really interesting dynamic of being like yeah you know you take kids that are you know basically take a what would be a freshman class in the U.S. Um, for a school trip at the end of the year and cast them all and put them on an island and be like, hey, by the way, everyone's going to be dead in three days, so you might as well kill everyone you don't like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> An interesting way to put it, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which is very different from... A lot of the other, you know, kind of hunger, the Hunger Games style, like I said, where it's like, yeah, at most, you know, one other person and then some of the people may kind of know other stuff or you have more people that have almost kind of like played before. But uh, it's very it's very different there. Um, And then also with the ridiculousness of the different weapons, like, uh, yeah, like Nanahara and um, what's her name? the princess getting binoculars yeah <laughs> i was a little really disappointed that the binoculars be, didn't become like a more significant factor because when you think about it from like a neutral point of view like they're a very potentially useful tool right if you're like in, mm-hmm. trying to be evasive and you know mm-hmm. scout ahead but they never really i don't know i guess i was a little upset that it was so, so much focus on on weaponry versus like more you know a mix, a mixed bag of like tools versus just weapons, and you know, and then I think I think Shuya literally got the worst draw in the pot lid. I don't think there was a single item that was worse than that. Um, yeah, I don't. Know, the binoculars were. The, I mean, yeah, pretty bad. They were. Well, well what about Kiri? What about Kiriyama's? Uh, the the oh, fan, the, fan. the, paper, the right. paper fan. Oh, you're yeah, right. That was that his. was, the, <laughs> that that was probably, his weapon. He he started with the, the paper worst. fan. Yeah, you're right, and it's just because he's a psychopath that he's he was okay with uh, mowing down like five people right away, <laughs> right? So. Which is crazy, right? Like he very well could have just lost it right there, but he's yeah a psycho. And was he a veteran too? Yeah, I don't or, know. I don't. He's know. a volunteer, is what Kawada yeah. said. Kawada said okay. he's he's just a volunteer. Um, he's just a psycho. Yeah, he was just a psychopath. Yeah, but like. Kawada, he knew what he was getting into, and that makes Which, a big difference in how you can prepare. And you know, it's interesting to me because the whole purpose of of this game was to weed out, you know, these the the, the awful youth, right? But when you think about it, the ones most likely to win are going to be these so called awful youth, right? Like somebody who's willing to commit murder what twenty seven times. Mm-hmm. Um, is not going to be a you know benefit to society. Like a dude like Kiriyama being uh, being loose in Japan is certainly not going to help anything. But maybe that's I'm trying to think in like the, the whole meta of everything. Maybe that's what they want is they want to mm-hmm. 
send back one of these and say, see, even though we, we do this program, we still have, have this problem. It's like, well, yeah, but you're literally having children commit mass murder. So what do you expect? Yeah, I, I think one of the other things that's um, kind of interesting, and I think it's one of the things of the time that it was made as well, if you look at that versus, you know, just as a comparison versus, you know, the Hunger Games on stuff, is that, you know, they even show in the beginning of the thing that, like, it's not like the games are broadcast or anything. Like, literally, the beginning of the movie is them being like, oh, my goodness, who won? Who won? Oh, it's a girl. It's a girl. She won. She's smiling. A girl won. Like, the journalists and people didn't know anything. And, like, you know, there's no cameras on the thing. Like, we get the cameras because we're there. But it's not like this thing is being, you know, broadcast for a purpose out to get the word out and say, hey, you better behave or you're going to be picked and you're going to have to kill your friends. In contrast, you know, with Hunger Games, where in some ways it's much smarter there because it's like, yeah, well, the whole point here is that you see all this stuff and the horror and then you get to have the the sporting like thing. Um, so but that's one of those things, too, where it's kind of like, you know, you think about the time that it was done in 2000, where like, you know, it was certainly was not as easy to have like you know, good quality, tiny cameras that could go and film everything and edit stuff together such that all they had was little audio transceivers on their, uh, on their necklaces. Yeah. You make this a few years later and at least plausibly the callers all have cameras in them and not just microphones. Right. I mean, it's stretching battery life a bit there, but not within filmmaking hand waving. Right. Um, okay. So we are coming close to the, uh, to the end of our episode time. So I'll, I'll give a little round for people to give some final thoughts or something else they think they've, they want to put out there about, uh, this movie or anything related. I will start with Nick. Yeah. I mean, this, this it, it was i'm really glad we did this episode uh it, it's been so long since i watched this movie which is ironic because i mean it's no secret in this circle like the battle royale genre and anime is like my guilty pleasure right like i watch just about all of them even if many of them are really bad just because <laughs> something about the concept of it is so interesting to me from like a a character like you know you, you really learn about characters People, like people's like character when they're put into these you know compressed into these really impossible situations so uh yeah i mean this is the one that started it all it's still amazing uh i i really now i can kind of sit back and like really analyze like individual performances i was some of the people like the actors and the actresses they found really punched above their weight in this yes. especially when you're you know when you're told being told yeah you're going to be in a movie you're going to be in battle royale and you're going to be, you know, in the movie with Beat Tagashi, and most people are like, uh-oh. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's as A-lister as you get, but, like, so many of them absolutely crushed their roles. So, yeah, fantastic movie. If you haven't watched it, please do. It's visible. You can watch it for free all in, on, on Roku TV or any, you get it for cheap on any myriad of streaming services. But, yeah, it absolutely holds up. Um, it's still one of my all-time favorites. All right, and uh, tailing on to your thing there, Nick, I, I do enjoy that genre as well. Some of them are, that are ridiculous are fun, like Kakegurui, Gurui, and then oh, yeah. but I could not I could not make it through High Rise Invasion. It was the animation was so terrible. Yeah, I I like High Rise Invasion, <laughs> but it's hard to recommend. <laughs> yeah, I might I might go back to it at some point when I'm feeling particularly cheeky. But yeah, that one was pretty. It's got a cool premise, but it gets pretty ridiculous. I like, it has a cool opening and ending. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, back on back on topic here. Uh, next person, final thoughts. I'll go with Mike. Yeah, I having not watched this in a long time, I also was surprised how well the the backstory felt like hand wavy BS, but the scenario itself, how well that holds up. And even compared to more recent Battle Royale-inspired things. Though I guess it's kind of like you die hard in an X became a thing, but you can't really do 
a good diehard in an office building because that's diehard. <laughs> Likewise, I guess you can't really do <laughs> Battle Royale where you throw a high school class in it and they have to kill each other because that's Battle Royale. It's hmm, a good point. But the scenario with the high school class, because of those pre-existing relationships that we discussed, is makes it very interesting in a way that some others aren't. Um, and I thought the movie did a good job with how little screen time the characters had, some of them had, of yeah. still making them all feel distinct and like individual people, which apparently even was a complaint the book author had about his book, was that he didn't really do that much, so managing to do that in a much shorter movie is fairly impressive really. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I'll I'll go I'll go next and say yeah, again, I was you know, same as everyone else, I was pleasantly surprised that I think this is still one of the best like battle royale things out there. I watched it. I watched it twice and like watching the second time I didn't realize it was like I was thinking it was like a 90-minute movie or something. I was like, oh, this is like at least two hours. I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel like it's that long because it just it rolls and it just like keeps going. And there's uh, there's so many great scenes in it. And I, I love all of the uh, – this. I'm very happy that the automatic weapons in it have very small caliber bullets because that allows people to – take more shots and then have their have their after death deaths that they pop up from um which is wonderful uh you know maybe maybe it was like an airsoft gun or something like that um but it's uh yeah it's really great and i think i i said it before but i was very very pleased at how little cg type stuff in there because i really think it makes the movie look great now whereas mm-hmm. it had it been done in the u.s with the u.s budget at the time all all the fire in the after the explosion everything would have been all cg fire and you couldn't even watch it today um, yeah it's, it's uh i agree amazing how well it holds up for a movie with an absolutely minuscule budget by american standards yeah, yeah, five five million dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's funny, even though. a low budget for a horror movie these days. I think like a budget slasher yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned airsoft because I believe all of the guns in there were, were uh, supplied by Tokyo Marui, which is like one huh. of the premier um, airsoft manufacturers. I think if you look through the credits, they're actually um, credited in there. So I believe all all of their guns there were just Tokyo Marui like airsoft guns. That's that would cool. make sense. Also, one last thing is that this movie also shows exactly why you shouldn't have uh, squirt guns that look like real guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, and I'll pass over to Sam for your final thoughts. Uh, yeah, like everyone, I'm. I was. Uh, I'm glad we decided to do an episode on this because yeah, I I haven't watched this since I originally watched it, and yeah, it it, it held up. I mean, it it's. Like I kind of said about some of the stuff before, it's it's still some percentage camp, but overall, I think it comes together as a really good movie. Um, and just the yeah, the interactions between all the characters are very uh, believable, even when they're hammy. Um, and we shouted out um, Beat Takeshi earlier and complimented his great performance. The other character that I thought did a fantastic job is worth calling out was. Um, uh kawada's character the bandana guy um he all he was awesome i thought he was the second best one he did such a great job of playing this character and kind of making you question like can i really trust this guy for a long way through it especially with this kind of like oh yeah i'm the son of a of a doctor oh yeah i'm the son of a <laughs> of a robin chef right or oh yeah i'm the son. you know like all these kind of like lies blatant lies um yeah i thought that was he was he was really good um and i will point out also my favorite anime to come out of this battle royale genre is i think still kaiji oh yeah kaiji's great yeah anybody hasn't watched that you really should watch kaiji it's it it does cranks the psychology up to 11 on all this stuff and the the relationships and st- things like that. 
Uh, and it's got a cool, cool art style and everything's great. And Kaiji's a great show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Everything. On the other hand, if you want the axe crazy women, then Mirai Nikki is the one to go for. <laughs> oh, is that Battle Royale? I guess kind of. I haven't watched it, so I'll put it on the list, I guess. <laughs> it's a future diary. Yeah. Man, now uh, I want to go back and watch Tomodachi game again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that one is so good. All right. Uh, okay. We have concluded our time. So uh, next time we will go to something that is very straightforward and simple and something we also have definitely watched recently, which is Serial Experiments Lane. So everyone break out your DVD copies or find it somehow on the internets and uh, join us for a discussion of Serial Experiments Lane. This has been AMO Kenzoku. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Saturday.